Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. Today, we welcome guest speaker, Pastor Tim Timberlake from Celebration Church, as he continues our collection of talks, The Art of Joy, Life Lessons from Philippians. In this message, I Ain't There Yet, Pastor Tim encourages us to forget the past and remember the promise that God is working in our lives. Let's lean in together now. We've been in a collection here entitled The Art of Joy, and it's been walking through Philippians. And so I wanna share with you what God has placed on my heart for us this morning. I'm gonna read with you a passage of scripture, and then we're gonna pray, and then we're gonna unpack it. Is that all right? So if you would, go in your Bibles to Philippians chapter three, Philippians chapter three. I like to read, then I'll give you the subject matter, then we'll pray, then you can be seated, then we'll eat. Is that all right? (laughs) Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse number 12, Paul is saying here, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing that I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. I wanna preach to you for a moment from the subject matter, I ain't there yet. Come on, look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, I ain't there yet. Come on, let's pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for your word. You're so good to us. We know that you are here because you came with us. And so we ask that as a corporate group of people that you would change us, not just individually, but God as a family. And that God, as we lean into this moment, we become more like you. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. You can take your seats. I know my English teacher would be mad if she heard me say, I ain't there yet. But it just feels right. It feels, it feels right to me. It rolls off the tongue better than I'm not there yet. You know, I ain't there yet. February 14th this year, I... Uh, I spent the morning with my wife for Valentine's Day, and I had this bright idea after we had lunch uh, to go play some basketball. And uh, I'm on the court playing basketball, and in my mind, I'm still uh, in high school playing ball. I'm still in college playing ball. Uh, My mind still works the same, but my body doesn't quite move as quickly as it used to. And uh, I'm working out out there. I'm talking trash. I'm letting the other person know this is my house. And there are things that you can and can't do in my house. And just as I'm talking trash, I get the ball, I jab step once, I jab step twice, I sweep, I bounce the ball, and pop my Achilles ruptures. And I looked to heaven, I said, God, why? (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I looked to the person I was playing. I said, hey, I just, I just ruptured my Achilles. He said, no, you didn't. I said, yes, I did. He said, no, you didn't. I said, yes, I did. He said, no, you didn't. I said, yes, I did. He said, how do you know? I said, because I know what I feel in my leg. He said, what does it feel like? I said, well, my tendon is in my calf muscle right now. And sure enough, called my doctor. They got me in uh, pretty quickly to do an ultrasound. And as they were doing the ultrasound, the doctor said, this is where your Achilles is supposed to be. That's, that's, that's what you never want to hear. <laughs> this, is, this is where it's supposed to be, but this is actually where it is. You're going to need surgery immediately. And so I said, well, get me in as quick as you can. They got me in the next day, and uh, I had surgery on my Achilles. They put a cast on it, and while I was in this cast, uh, my foot was pretty stationary. Couldn't move it, uh, couldn't scratch it, which is the worst, couldn't get it wet. All these different things that they had instructed me not to do in preparation for recovery. After about a month and a half, they cut the cast off of me and they put me in this walking boot and they told me, uh, at first, your leg is going to feel like it's re-rupturing, but that's a part of the healing process. And although the injury happened in an instant, recovery is a process. Although what happened to me happened in seconds, in order for me to regain strength back in my leg, it's taken months and months and months. I'm in physical therapy right now, and my physical therapy, I, I, my physical therapist, I promise, he tries to kill me every single week. I look at him and say, Doc, does it have to be this intense? Are you, are you doing this on purpose? And he just looks at me and smiles, and he proceeds to work out the torn cartilage and the, 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 the different muscles and the scarred tissue in my leg. And, and I'm just like, Doc, if you don't stop, I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> and, and he says to me, if we don't break up the scarred tissue, you won't be able to utilize your leg like you used to. And, and, and I said, okay, so what does that mean? He said, well, it, it means that if your leg does not regain strength, if your tendons don't regain the same uh, flexibility, then your leg won't function the way your other leg functions. So every single time I go to physical therapy, he measures my leg. He, he looks at it, he says, this week, it's looking a little bit better than it did last week. And he said something to me, which reminds me of the scripture. He says, if your leg stops growing, you stop going. If, if your leg is not developing, if your leg is not getting stronger, you stop going. What Paul is teaching us in this passage of scripture as we walk through it and as we unpack it for a moment here, he's telling us that if we stop growing, if we stop maturing, if we stop leaning into the things of God, then we stop moving forward. And although I'm in physical therapy, the thing that I constantly have to battle is reliving the moment that I was injured. But when I relive the moment I was injured, it brings me to a place of insecurity, and the insecurity tells me it's going to happen again, because that's how I feel. 
In this particular stage of physical therapy, they have me working out, and there's brief moments in every single workout, every other day, that I think to myself, I'm going to re-rupture my Achilles tendon. But in order for me to develop strength in the leg, they have to take it through a painful process. Paul is telling us, in order for you to move forward, you gotta stop looking backwards. Because when you look back, it takes you back to a place that you've already moved on from. And in order for you to continually move towards the mark, you have to forget where you came from. Aren't you glad that God doesn't remember all of your sin? Aren't you glad he doesn't remember all of your mistakes and every single time you have fallen? The the word of God teaches us that as soon as we run back to God, God forgives us and he forgets our past and he cast it as far as the east is from the west. So if God forgets it, how come we have such a hard time doing the same? We have to practice forgetting. We have to practice how not to remember the bad things. I love this passage of scripture because it gives us such a depiction of hope. Not not hope from a worldly perspective. Hope from a worldly perspective means uh, that somewhere along the line, there's doubt in your mind. Normally, there's always a so that follows hope. I hope so which means that you don't really know if it's going to unfold or happen, but you hope. So biblical hope is a lot different than the worldview of hope. Biblical hope means I have a confident expectation. It also means that I'm looking forward to see what the future looks like. When we look at this passage of scripture, Paul is giving us hope. He's letting us know that although you're reading this passage of scripture and although I've written three-fourths of the New Testament, I have not arrived yet. I still have work to do. I'm still a work in progress. Every time you see me, I am striving towards becoming more like Christ. And I'm here to tell you, if Paul is saying I have not arrived yet, none of us have arrived yet. And anyone that tells you that they have arrived is lying to you and they need to start back where they started from to remind themselves that there's still work to be done. Are you listening to me? As long as you can take in air in these lungs, you still have work to do. The first thing that I wanna point out to you in this passage of scripture is this, point number one, if you're taking notes, if you make time more important than eternity, you lose out on both. We're so consumed with time. We're so consumed with our time. I want you to understand this, God does not operate off of time but he honors it. God is not worried about our timetable. He's not worried about what we have on our calendar, on our schedule, what, what, what we have planned, our little list of things that we plan on doing. God is not concerned about those things. He says, my, my plan for you is perfect. My, my plan for you has no mistakes. My plan for you has no errors in it. 
And so I want you to look at eternity more than you are focused on time. The way you look at time determines eternity. And the way you look at eternity determines your time. I need you to understand this. Paul is telling us you have to be heaven-focused. Listen to me. You are citizens of heaven, but your assignment is here on earth. Did you hear what I said? You are a citizen of heaven, but your assignment is here on earth. Another way of putting it, I live in heaven, but I work on earth. Why? Because my mindset, my mentality is on eternity rather than time. Isn't it crazy how we remind God of how old we are? God, I've been waiting. God, I've been wanting. I'm 30 now, God. I'm 35. I'm 40. I'm 45. And God is saying, I know how old you are. I I know how old you are. I, I made you. And the reality that we have to come to is that God is not preparing our breakthrough or our blessing. He prepared that before he placed us in our mother's womb. The thing that we have to understand is God is preparing us for it. He's not making our breakthrough and blessing. He's making us so that when we walk into the season where we receive what God has already made, we're mature enough to steward it well. A blessing given at the wrong time is not a blessing at all. And some of us are are asking God, how long, how long, how long? And God is saying, as long as it takes for you to understand what you're walking into. If I'm more consumed with time than I am eternity, I lose out on both. The thing that I have to remember is that time is one of the only things I can look at and it still escapes me. You can't control time. You can't tell time to stop. You can't fast forward time. You can't rewind time. Time is the only thing that you can look at and it still escapes you. We oftentimes think that we can manage time. How can you manage what you cannot control? If you can't manage time, then we have to bring ourselves to steward time. And oftentimes, we live most of our time in the regrets of our past or the hopes of our future, not getting the most out of where we are right here, right now. Listen to me, if you spend all of your time in yesterday, you'll continue to recycle the old pains and disappointments and letdowns and setbacks. But if you stored your time right here, right now, I'm telling you, you'll squeeze the life out of where you are right now and God can make something good out of the season that you're in, even if you think it's bad. Oh, we have to bring ourselves to the conclusion that although what we're going through is not good, God is. And God says, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I'll be with you until the very end of all what? Time. Time. We have to understand that if we're so focused on time, we miss out on eternity. Yesterday, is in the tomb, 
Tomorrow is in the womb, but today is waiting for you to grab a hold of it and point your time back to the person that gave it to you in the first place. Can we go a little bit deeper? Point number two is this. Your future begins when you stop discussing the past. Listen to me, looking back encourages the possibility of going back. And some of us can't grab a hold of our future because we're so consumed with holding on to our past. If, if I continue to look back, that's exactly where I stay. Paul says, not that I have achieved these things, not, not that I'm perfect, I'm still a work in progress, but what I have to do, the, the one thing that I must do is forget the past and pursue the future. If you are so consumed with the disappointments and the letdowns and what did happen and what didn't happen in your yesterday, you can't see where God is taking you. And something that was only supposed to hurt you once can hurt you a lifetime if you continually live there. Your unwillingness to pursue the future disqualifies you from it. If I'm stuck in what I did not do, it takes my focus off of what I'm called to do. Paul gives us this hope. He, he gives us this, this understanding that in order for me to stretch towards the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ, I have to release where I fell and where I stumbled and where I tripped and where I disappointed myself and every promise that I made myself that I broke, everything in my past, I have to release and leave it there so I can push forward to pursue who it is that I am becoming. Remember what hope is, hope is future focus. Hope is facing towards the future, forgetting the past. If my hope is not anchored in Jesus, then my expectation is that I am my own God and I control my own destiny. And the reality is you don't have that much power. Paul is telling us I ain't there yet. I, I, I know you think that I, I'm this great theologian and I know I've written three-fourths of the New Testament and, and I'm a scholar and, and I know all these different languages and I know how to communicate to, to the Jews and I know how to communicate to the Gentiles, but I still have everyday struggles and I need you to know I am not there yet. You have to bring yourself to the conclusion that I am not there yet. And when you bring yourself to that place, you understand the need for God. And when you understand the need for God. You understand that you are not God and you couldn't bring yourself out of what was holding you hostage and you couldn't heal your own body and you couldn't redeem your own soul and you couldn't restore your own mind. See, it's not until you understand your need for a savior that you realize that you're not one. Paul says, I ain't there yet. I'm still pushing, I'm still pressing, I'm still pursuing, and I cannot stop until I achieve 
the prize through and in Christ Jesus. Isn't it crazy how God answers our prayers in a manner and in a way that we are not looking for? Last week I was just thinking and I was reflecting over my life and, and I came to the conclusion that when I prayed for strength, God gave me opposition intention to make me stronger. When I prayed for courage, God put me at the table in front of my enemies. When I prayed for wisdom, every single time, God gave me problems to steward. When I prayed for clarity, God removed distractions out of my life. And sometimes those distractions were people that I thought meant well for me. Hear me when I tell you this, I got everything that I prayed for. But it looked different than how I expected. Aren't you glad that your life is not headed in the direction of your expectations? Because your expectations for your life change from season to season. And in certain seasons, you want a certain thing. And in other seasons, you don't want it no more. You know, statistics say that we change every three years. Our style changes, our taste changes, who we are in our body changes. Aren't you so glad where you're going is not dictated off of your ability to see it, but it's dictated off of the power of someone who made you? If you're going to get to tomorrow, you have to let yesterday go. You, you gotta become a professional in something. You, you have to become a professional in remembering to forget. I, I like to call it selective memory. I'm very selective with what I remember. Every failure, I forget. Every letdown, I let go. Every time I stumble, I leave it in the past. But, but I remember every time God bought me over something. I, I remember every time God bought me out of something. I remember every time God forgave me and redeemed me and restored me. And oftentimes, when we're, when we're not in this posture of forgetting the bad things and remembering the good things, then we live, our, we live our lives in a constant up and down, a roller coaster of emotions. But let's be honest, all of us are crazy. <laughs> on Sundays, we're like, yes, I can do it. On Mondays, we're like, no, I can't. Sundays, we're like, God, you are good. On Mondays, is he really? We live in this public faith, but silent doubt. And Paul is telling us in order for you to get out of this Ferris wheel of emotions and off of the roller coaster of life, you gotta forget those things that are left behind you and you gotta push towards your future. And I'm telling you, if you don't schedule your victories, your defeats will schedule themselves. You need to put on your calendar this week 
a reminder, a notification that you are victorious, a reminder, a notification to forget your past, a reminder and a notification that you are not what you have done. You are who God has called you to be. Every single day you get an invitation from depression. Every single day you get an evite from anxiety. It's time you start scheduling your victories so every single time defeat uh, rears its head, you, you tell it, no, 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 I'm already victorious. I, I've left those things behind. I'm pursuing who I am in and through Christ Jesus. Point number three. I love this one. Paul teaches us that there's some markers that you have to identify in your pursuit. And one of the main markers is maturity. Listen to point number three, maturity is when your miracles happen more often than your mistakes. Maturity is when your miracles happen more often than your mistakes. How do you know when you are maturing? When every day you are pursuing God, when you're pushing, when you're pressing, when, when you're leaning towards the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. How do you know that you're maturing? When you become less and less like you and more and more like him. How do you know when you're maturing? when you think less about yourself and you think more about others. Paul says, I, 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 I haven't mastered this yet. I haven't, I haven't achieved everything that I want to achieve. I'm not there yet, but, but I'm telling you what I have to do. Every single day of my life, I have to leave the old me behind to give birth to who I'm becoming. Can, can you? Bury the old you long enough to give birth to who you're becoming? Can you leave behind who you think you are to become who God said that you are? You need to hear me. You are not what you have done. Stop calling yourself. Stop identifying yourself by what you have done. This is the crazy thing I've learned about life. The enemy knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he calls you by name. A true mark of maturity is understanding I can no longer identify with what I have done. My focus is on who I am becoming. And when I am focused on who I am becoming, the old has passed away. I become something brand new. Listen to me, you can only measure your progress when you establish your goal. Paul says, I, I, I leave the old me behind and I press. That word press means to push. 
when, when life is pushing against you, you have to push back on life. You have to leave behind every dead weight, every old circumstance, some relationships that you know aren't healthy. You, you have to continue to push beyond how you feel and tap into who God is calling you in to be. And the reality is when you push, it's gonna be painful. When, when you push, it's gonna be inconvenient but you have to remember to forget. And when you remember to forget, you forget everything that held you back. And you can run towards who you're becoming. I need you to understand this. Those who assume that they are winning never prepare to win. If you assume I'm already winning, I don't need anything, I got everything that I've been asking for, I got everything that I've prepared for, I've got, I've got, I got it all figured out. When you assume that you're winning, you don't prepare. And one of the worst things that you could ever find yourself doing is being in a season of not preparing. When you get into one season, you have to prepare for the next. And when you get in that season, you have to prepare for the next. But one of the things that I enjoy doing, I like looking at ants. Ants are so, so peculiar. They're, they're, they're such fascinating little creatures. And if you ever see an ant, you'll oftentimes see an ant carrying a piece of food. And scientists say what the ant is carrying is 200 times heavier than they are. But you see this ant carrying this piece of food and this piece of food is going on the back of this ant and this ant takes whatever he's carrying down into his little ant hole. And the thing that you need to know is the ant is not eating the food in that season. The ant is preparing for the next season. The problem with most of us, we eat everything in this season. And we don't plan and prepare for the next season. You've heard this often said, if you don't prepare to win, you are preparing to lose. You have to find yourself so focused on where God is calling you that you're preparing to go to where God is taking you to. See, it's goals that make progress measurable. But Paul says, this is the goal. This is the target. Not that I've achieved it, not that I've already accomplished it, not that I'm already there, but this is what I'm aiming towards. And as long as I have a bullseye to aim to, then I can run in the direction that God is calling me to. That the problem with some of us is we're wandering blind. And when we wander blind, we oftentimes find ourselves going towards the loudest voice. And the loudest voice normally is our insecurities, telling us who we're not, telling us how imperfect we are, telling us all the various things that we have to do to become better in the eyes of someone other than God. And God is saying, listen, leave all those things behind, cast all those things to the side and run after me. If you can leave behind who you were and become who I'm calling you to be, I'm telling you, you can achieve the goal of the high prize found through Christ Jesus. And the only thing that matters is what he's calling us to. 
Isn't it crazy how we feed the one thing that we can't take with us in eternity? That's our flesh, that, that's this body that we're in. We, we have, a, we have this, this weird obsession with catering to the one thing that won't go into eternity with us. So we talk about how we work out. We, we talk about how we feed it. We talk about what we put on it. We, we talk about what we put in it. But, but, but the reality is if we're not as equally obsessed with what we're putting into our spirit as we are on our flesh, then we miss the mark of the calling that God is calling us to. And I wonder, am I talking to anybody right now that's so focused on where God is taking you that it doesn't matter what you've been through? You have to bring yourself to the place where you push regardless of life's circumstances. Life is going to push you, but you got to push through. Life is going to push back, but you got to continue to push through. Paul says, I press towards the mark of the high calling through Christ Jesus. Life is about what you are willing to press and push through. Because life is not going to stop punching you in the face. Life isn't going to cater to your comfort. Life isn't going to present to you everything you ever wanted in an oyster clam shell. It's not going to give you the things that you really, really need. So you have to continue to push towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I was reading some biblical history about tombstones. And I came across this passage in the book that I was reading that said oftentimes in Paul's day on, on, on the tombstone, on, on, the, on the burial site of where these great men and women laid down for the very last time, it, it had an inscription on it and the inscription said, I was, but now I am by grace. But think about that for a moment. You, you were a sinner bound for him but now you are by grace called by name assigned by God anointed by Jesus for an assignment in a season like this and so you were but now you are by grace and I wonder is there anybody grateful that Jesus says when you chase after me I chase after you when you take steps towards me I'm taking steps with you and there's nothing that you can do to separate me from the love that I have for you so one thing that I tell myself every single day I will I shall I must I will, I shall, I must. I don't feel like going to physical therapy every single day, but I remind myself, I will, I shall, I must. I don't feel like working out every single day, but I say to myself, I will, I shall, I must. I don't always feel like doing the right thing, but I will, I shall, I must. Is there anybody listening to me that can stand to your feet and say, I will, I shall, I must. When life tells you to quit, when, when life tells you to throw in the towel, you got to tell yourself, I will, I shall, I must. That there's a world waiting on you to, to grab your assignment by the horns and, and chase your destiny. That, that there's people waiting on you to step into your calling. That there's a generation waiting on you to be who you are becoming. I will, 
I shall, I must. Like Paul, not that I have already attained it, not that I have already achieved it, I ain't there yet, but I'm becoming. See, God has not called you to copy someone. God has called you to become someone. And you can't become who God is calling you to become unless you have the mindset, I will, I shall, I must. Some of you felt like quitting, tapping out, throwing in the towel. And when you do, you gotta remind yourself, I, I can't quit. I gotta continue to press and push towards the calling in and through Christ Jesus. I will, I shall. I must. In the Old Testament in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11, Scripture says, The race is not given to the swift, nor the fight given to the strong. And oftentimes we tag on another Scripture to it that says, But it's given to the one who endures until the end. There is no enduring power without Jesus. Paul is saying, every time I forget my past, I become less and less like me, and I become more and more like Jesus. I will, I shall, I must. I, I, I'm not here to fulfill my goals and my desires. I, I'm here on assignment because I am a citizen of heaven, I live in heaven, I work here on earth, there's still work to be done. I will, I shall, I must. I can't get comfortable in my assignment here because my focus is on eternity and not time. I will, I shall, I must. There's so much more for me to do, but I can't do it if I'm stuck in my past. So I leave my past behind and I press towards. The mark of the high calling. You gotta, you gotta press through depression. You, you gotta press through anxiety. You, you gotta press through life. You, you gotta press through worry and doubt and fear and stress. You gotta continue to press. When you stop pressing, you get overwhelmed. Because life is a lot like swimming in the middle of the ocean. If you stop, you're gonna get tired and you're going to sink. But if you keep your head above water, help is going to come. I will. I shall. I must. Close your eyes for a moment by your heads. If you're in this moment right now, you hear me, and you're stuck in your past, And you so desperately need enduring power to push you for. I want you to slip your hands up towards heaven. You, you know there's a higher call for you. You know there's a greater assignment for you. You know that what God has for you is greater 
than what you are in right now. I want to pray with you. I also want to pray for those who are tired. Those of you that are weary. You say, Pastor, I, I feel like I've been pressing for so long and I haven't seen what I've been pressing for. I want to remind you of the scripture, don't get weary in your will doing. For if you don't faint, you shall reap the reward. If you're tired, I just want you to stretch your hands towards heaven as well. Lord Jesus, you see the hands that are lifted. I thank you that our destiny and our future is not contingent upon our ability to sustain and endure. But it's completely and totally reliant on your power. And so right now in the name of Jesus, we surrender all. We walk away from who we were and we walk towards who we're becoming. And Father, we make a public declaration today that we won't stop pursuing you and that we'll continue to press on to see what the end will be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present, and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in the next steps on your faith journey. Go to vuchurch.com online. We love you.